You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number 24 of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today. If you haven't already, we would love your support in leaving a review of our show on iTunes. Really, this just helps other people find the Million Praying Moms podcast, and we love it too. It really keeps us going. So just click review, select ratings and reviews, and write a review, and then let us know what you love about the podcast. We really appreciate it. Yes, we do. Okay, so we just have to take a moment because every time I read one of these on air, I always say, oh my goodness, what's up with these names? Like what? <laughs> what I know. I don't know how people pick their names on there. I've never done, I, I shouldn't say this, but I've never actually written an iTunes review. I probably need to go fix that and do some since we yeah. ask for them all the time. Yeah. But I don't know how people choose it. Okay, so our review that we're going to read today is from BMS313313. So... <laughs> I always want to know the story behind these. I know. Some of them seem clear, and then others are yeah. like, oh, I don't, I don't, just don't even know. But that's who that is. BMS 313313 recently shared, this is a great resource for parents on how to address real issues we're experiencing now with our children. I love that. Thank you so much. It really is our goal to address the real needs that you have in your families right now. That's why we're always asking you. So if you guys have an issue that you would like for us to, to address in a future episode of Million Praying Moms, please drop us an email at millionprayingmoms at gmail.com and tell us about it. And we will do our best to tackle that for you in a future episode. Um, so thank you so much to BMS313313. We are grateful for you too, friend. And if you have not gone and left your review of the show, we would love to invite you to do that now. And I promise that by the next time we record one, I will have like, you know, followed through on my own words and I'm going to go leave a review somewhere too. Yeah. Let's practice what we preach, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you want to tell us the story behind your name, we love those stories yes. as well. I, I'll just share this really quick. I was always ELM music for kids which was because I taught elementary music. So, and it was my initials. So that's where my, the story from mine. And now I'm just home with the boys yes. everywhere. So if, yes. if I leave a review, it'll probably be as home with the boys, <laughs> wherever we are. But we love those stories and we love you and we appreciate those reviews. Okay, Erin, let's move on to the topic for today. We have a longtime friend of our ministry joining us today to talk about something I think is really important learning to put Jesus first in our lives as moms. Oh, wow. I agree. As Christian moms, we all want to prioritize making sure that our kids know and love Jesus. 
at least as much as it depends on us, you know. But I think we forget that one of the best ways, if not the best way to do this, is to make sure our own relationship with Christ is growing first. Yeah, I would say that this is the hardest, one of the hardest things to do during a time when we need it most. You know, like you would, you would hope that in the time you need it most, it would be easy, but it's just not the way it is. It's not my experience anyways. There are so many things that are vying for our attention as moms. Even before we get out of bed in the morning, it can feel like our to-do lists are so overwhelming that who has time to set aside for developing a relationship with God? I mean, you know, where do we fit that in? I hear you. The, the to-do list never ends, but somewhere we need to fit this in and not just fit it in, put it first. And our guest today would say that we don't have time not to invest in our relationships with God, that our very happiness depends on it. Katie Orr is passionate about helping women study the word of God effectively and to enjoy him daily. I love the use of the word enjoy. This is not a chore. There's enjoyment there. She's the creator of Focused 15 Bible Studies, as well as her upcoming book, yay! Secrets of the Happy Soul, Experience the Deep Delight You Were Made For. Katie, welcome back to the show. Tell us all about yourself and your family. Hey guys, well, as you mentioned, I'm Katie Orr, and I am currently a Florida resident. We've moved around a lot, so hopefully uh, Florida is our address for quite a long time. (laughs) Uh, We've lived in Kentucky and Georgia and Florida, a couple different places, but my husband's a pastor, and before that, we were on staff with Campus Crusade working with college students, so we have three kiddos. Uh, This has been a fun stage, like we're kind of in this not completely trying to keep above water uh, stage. Now it's there busy. Because, yeah, yeah, there's hope. <laughs> so mine are all like two and a half years apart. It's like exactly 28 months apart. I don't know how that happened because I'm not that good <laughs> planning. But it's literally 28 months. So every every four months we have a birthday. Is that right? Is it, I don't know. Whatever yeah, it is. Like you got it. And so... Uh, but my oldest is 14, my, um, he's a boy, Kenneth, and then my middle child is a girl, and she is almost 12, and then my baby, who's no longer a baby, is almost double digits, but not yet, he's nine, so it's, uh, it's a fun stage, but mm-hmm. it's also, you know, we're just, we're getting in the place, the older two are now in band, and one's in cross country, so it's just like, yeah, trying to figure out the whole new normal here. Of we're not going all over the place all the time. <laughs> yeah, I totally feel you on that, Katie. We're you know I've got one in high school and one in, in middle school, and I feel like you know I, I feel like we're in a constant fight for white space. You know, for just downtime. That's a good um, way to put it. Constant yeah, it's just fight for white space. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to come by, and it's a reality. It's the way it is, and I think this is a good way to start our conversation because a lot of the moms that we're going to be talking to today feel that same battle. They feel like, how am I, I know I need to prioritize time in the word. I know I've got to grow, grow my relationship with the Lord in order to be the kind of mom I want to be. But where in the world am I supposed to fit that in? How am I supposed to do that when I have all these other mandatory, not even really like optional, but mandatory things that we have to get done. So when we introduced you, I think we used a strong phrase and that is that our happiness depends on spending time with God in his word and getting to know him better. Those are strong words. So tell us what that means. Yeah. 
Well, and I go into this in, in, in depth in, in my book, but really we have to back up from this conversation and define what we mean by happiness. Because I say happiness, you say happiness. We're all probably thinking maybe kind of something similar, but we may be thinking we're, we're speaking different words to one another, even though it's the same physical word. And so what, what, what we do in the book and what I've been studying uh, for years is, is defining happiness biblically and kind of let's all get on the same page. And so when, we, when I'm talking about happiness moving forward, I am basing this on Psalm 1. And I, I love the way that the, the CSB, the Christian Standard Version, um, translates this. And that is, uh, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. So you've probably heard Psalm 1 before. And most versions translate it how blessed it is. But really, the better, when you look at the original, the, the Hebrew there, and the intention of the author, and the context going on, and the just all, all of that stuff that we don't get because we're sitting in our comfy chairs in our, you know, American mm-hmm. <laughs> world, uh, the, the world then, it, it just, they just would have heard it very differently. But, but happy here is the better word, but it's not really an adjective. It's more of this noun. It's like, it's like a, it, it's actually an, interject, an interjection where you see someone and you go happy. Kind of like when the bride comes in at, in that moment where they mm-hmm. open the door at the wedding and everybody just kind of <gasps> goes, Yes. You know, it's just like this gut reaction that when you see the beautiful bride, you're just like, oh, wow. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. It's like happy is God's child. Basically, you know, Mm -hmm. he's saying happy is the one who knows God and follows his ways. And so it's more of this foundational truth of who we are and Though there's some very specific things in here they, that, that the happy one delights in the Lord, meditates on, on the, the law. Like they just love the Bible, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they love the Bible and they grow because of it, but it's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. Yes. It's just, this is the person that is, has been rescued by God. They are happy. And we're just, we're just totally skimming the surface here, but I think we got to start there with seeing that this is not a prescription, but a description of God's people. And every one of us, if we are in Christ, we are a happy soul. (laughs) Regardless Mm -hmm. of how we feel, we are a happy soul. It's like that noun. It's a foundational. It's part of our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. It's happy. Yeah, that's great. That's a great foundation to start this conversation on because we don't all think of happy in the same terms. And happy and happiness are very different from person to person. Um, Now, in your upcoming book, you talk about how some people seem to rise above the circumstances and distractions of life and remain consistently happy. Like, even in tough times, they have a quiet sense of peace about them. And, like, I really want to be that kind of woman. I'm not there yet, but I want (laughs) to be that kind of woman. Right. And I want to be that kind of consistent source of stability for my kids. So what's the secret? Well, the secret really that 
we're already there. And I know it, that sounds weird. Okay. So stick with me, but the reality is we're, we're already happy, but because we live in this sin stained world and I'm there with you, Aaron, it's like, man, I want to be happy. And for a long time, I thought that those people that were just seemed to have it all together and were so happy and joyful in Christ or however you want to say it. Cause I know some of us don't like to say happy in Christ because we just don't, but whatever it is, you just look at those people and you think, wow, they're, they must've been like, they were born this way, you know, like mm-hmm. they just have this super spiritual knack for figuring it out that I don't have. And I spent tons of time as a believer thinking that I was like this second rate Christian because mm-hmm. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. But when I realized that, and you guys have probably heard, you know, we, we talk about our identity in Christ a lot. The church does anyway, I think, or maybe those just my circles, but I just feel like people talk about that a lot. You know, like, know your identity in Christ, know what Christ has done for you and who you are in Christ. And we, it's awesome. We're forgiven. We're loved. We're chosen. We're adopted. All of those is, is so good, but we're also happy. We're also fulfilled. We're also content. Those things are true of us in Christ, but we live in this this battle of our old self versus our new self. I call it old Katie versus new Katie, right? Old Katie is a human bulldozer. She is never uh, satisfied with anything, you know, like she just come on. This is not enough. Let's keep going on and on and on. I can go on all, all day long about old Katie, but new Katie in Christ is satisfied. New Katie in Christ is fulfilled. New Katie in Christ, fill in the blank. What are, whatever the things that we look at other people and go, wow, they're so blank. I'll never be like that. If it's a characteristic of Christ, we have it because we have the righteousness of Christ. We've been given that. So what would you say to, to someone who's listening right now and and they're hearing you say, okay, this is, it it almost seems to me like you're saying, you know, this is one of those good and perfect gifts that we've been given. It is given Mm -hmm. to us. It Mm -hmm. is already, you know, our happiness, the way that you've defined it. And I I love the way you defined it because we do the, the way the world would define happiness is so radically different. And I think it would be even be fair to say that even those in the church, the way that we would define happiness um, is, is so radically different than the way you just described it. But, but what would you say to that person that's listening to you right now and saying, okay, if this is something I've been given, why don't I feel it? And if I don't feel it, what do I need to do to get it? Yeah. Good question. So the, the, there's a key, there's a couple key verses, but the first one that I think of is in Philippians two. And, um, it's kind of a confusing verse when you first read it, but uh, backing up to the the verse before, you know, Paul says, keep obeying. Okay. Keep obeying. And he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, work out to your own salvation. And it's clear from other places in the Bible that we do not work for our salvation. Salvation is a gift of grace, period. It's nothing that we can earn. But there is absolute biblical expectation that once we've been given salvation, so those good and perfect gifts that you, that you mentioned, all this that we have been given in Christ, eternal life, righteousness of Christ. I mean, it's just the list is endless, what we have been given in Christ, forgiveness of our sins, happiness, that, that new identity as a happy soul. 
We have work to do though. It is a partnership. God initiated a work in us when we first came to Christ and he's continuing that work and he will complete that work. That's Philippians 1, 6 and lots of other places. And so we get to partner with that, with that work that God is doing. We could never do it on our own. It's initiated and, and fulfilled and completed by Christ. But we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to be part of that. And one of the analogies that I use in my book is that, and, and I believe that my, my husband's grandfather, that they, they used one of these. And there was this thing called, what was the name of it? It was basically like a mail order house in the Sears and Robux catalog. And you would pick out the house that you wanted and they would put it in almost like Ikea for houses, you know, like they'd put it in a box, put it on a train and ship it to you. And so you would get this house in a box. And so in that moment, I mean, they've, they've, they've bought this, this house. It's, it's been delivered to their doorstep. They are a homeowner, but can they live in that house yet? No, they have a lot of work to do to, to build that house. And so every analogy breaks down, of course, with the spiritual things, but it's like, or, or like when I moved, when I moved from Kentucky to Florida, we were officially moved when we had a new driver's license and all of our stuff was under one roof, mm-hmm. but it's not two years later and we are still moving into this dang house, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we are still unpacking boxes. We are still putting things on the wall to make the house our own. We're yeah. still moving in to Florida. We're still yeah. settling in. I hear you, friend. We have yeah. boxes that, that I think we have moved since our very first house right after we got married, which we have been married for 17 years now. And we've moved them from house to house. In <laughs> fact, the last time we moved, we looked at these boxes and we said, we don't even know what's in these boxes. Like, should we just throw them away? Like, we, we haven't needed them for 17 years. Why should we keep them? So I totally feel you on that. It takes time to yeah. grow into a space. I I think what I think the point to take home then, you know, Brooke said, what about the people that are just not feeling it, but you're saying we already have it is we're not done yet. Like we have, we have not arrived. And even if we're, we're the people talking about it or writing about it, none of us has arrived because we're always still working it out. And so like what we're talking about today is not a next week. You're going to have a happy soul magically. Like if you follow these three steps, it is, always a process Mm -hmm. and there will be hills and valleys. And if you're not feeling it right now, that's not unusual. Mm -hmm. We're just pointing you in the right direction, just like we all need to be. Yeah. We are constantly driven by our emotions instead mm -hmm. of truth. Constant. Preach it. And we need to, truth needs to be our tether, right? Mm -hmm. We need to. So this is why to go back to the very first question we talked about, this is why being in the word is so important and why it affects our experience of who we really are. We are really, truly happy deep down. God has fulfilled every need of ours. But because old Katie's still around and because I forget what God has given me and I try to find that satisfaction of the things, my feelings tell me something different. Yes. And so we have to continually be in God's word because I don't know about you, but I don't know all of the Bible yet. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of learning to do. And every time we go to God's word, we learn more about who he is and what his good plan is for us. Mm -hmm. And so every time we open the Bible, even if we don't understand it all in that moment, we are centering our lives back to truth. And we're saying, I don't get it quite yet. And I don't see it yet, but I believe this is true. God 
take my feet, you know, change my feelings. And he, mm-hmm. he does that. He, he does. does that. So I think yeah. that we can't be driven by our feelings and emotions, but we need to know truth so that we can tell our feelings yeah. what to feel. And if we're not, if we're not in the word, the opposite then is absolutely 100% true is that we will be driven by our emotions. Absolutely. We have been given happiness in Christ as you've defined it. It is ours. It is our gift. But if we are not in the word, we are not going to be living in the fullness of what Christ gave, gave us. Mm -hmm. And we will be tossed around like the wind and we will not feel the happiness that is ours in Christ. So I think that's just a a beautiful description of what that looks like. And, you know, because we really like to be realistic on this show, (laughs) I think there's a, you know, there's a, there's a piece that we need to make. Just, just moving back into, you know, how hard it is as a mom sometimes to find that space to, to be in God's word. I think we want to make peace with the fact that Sometimes it is difficult for a mom to find the time in God's word, especially Mm -hmm. when their kids are really young. Mm -hmm. I know that we have a large population, you know, all of us on this panel right now, we all have, you know, teens and tweens or ones that will be very soon. But there's a segment of, of moms that are listening right now who are, you know, in the thick of the changing of the diapers and the wiping of the noses and, you know, the constant mommy, 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 mommy. And it is, it can be very difficult in that space to find not even just the physical space, but the emotional and mental space, Yeah, but it can be done. So I want to acknowledge that it's hard. Like we get you girl. If you're listening right now, we've all been there. We get it. We know it's hard, but it, but just because it's hard doesn't mean it can't be done. So Mm -hmm. let's talk, um, really practical for just a few minutes about those moms and give our listeners some pointers and inspiration for making the choice to prioritize time in the word in otherwise chaotic seasons. Yeah. Um, well, you, I know you guys have heard this from me before this kind of it's not a side note because it's huge first, but then we'll get into some super duper practical things, but we have to let go of the paralysis of perfectionism. We have to let go of the notion in our brains of, you know, the Instagrams that we've seen or the way someone else does it. There's no prescription in the Bible. We talk about descriptive versus prescriptive. There's no prescription in the Bible for a quiet time. Quiet time is not even in the Bible. The commands that are given to us that involve us and being in the Bible are like day and night, you know, with everything you have. Like it can't physically mean, it can't mean to be physically in front of your Bible all the time. It means that we need to be in it in such a way that it's meaningful so that it's in, we're meditating on it. It's in, a, it's just part of who we are, the word of God. Um, so we have to let, we, we can't get there if we constantly have this rule to follow of this checklist of it's got to be at this time and it's got to be this length and it needs to look like this and it has to have a workbook or colored pencils or music playing in the background. And all those things can be good, but there, there's no one definition of what time in the word looks like. Um, so let's let go of that because, and this is another analogy I use, like imagine those little bitty bite size, whatever your favorite chocolate bar is, or for those weirdos that don't like chocolate, I don't know, like your favorite chip or something, you know, there's always some out there that don't like chocolate, but I, I don't love, understand that. I don't Me either. either. I don't, either. But I don't I, speak that language. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, you know, those little bitty Butterfingers or something. I like Butterfingers. Okay, so those little bitty Butterfingers. 
if, if there was a bowl of Butterfingers on somebody's, in somebody's office, it was obvious, like, take one, eat it. You know, I'm not going to pick that up and go, little Butterfinger, little bite-sized butter, Butterfinger, you're not a king-sized Butterfinger, so I'm not going to eat you and put it back down. Right? It's free chocolate. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So why, why do we do that with the Word of God, though? Why do we say a little bite-sized five minutes of reading one verse or reading whatever, however long it takes you? You are not a Pinterest perfect quiet time, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to enjoy mm-hmm. you. Great point. We have got to take what we can get. So if you are in the, th- and I, it is definitely the little ones, but you know, more and more as I'm in, the, even though it's not as emotionally exhausting or physically, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just exhausting. Yeah. Anybody know, with little ones knows it's exhausting. There's different exhaustion now, but it's still hard yeah. to get in the word. It is. And I, you know I, know, I have so many friends that are, you know, are empty nesters. And they're still struggling yeah. because suddenly their whole schedule's upside down. They don't have a schedule. It, it's just different. They got the husband's showing up going, hey, what do you want to do? And she's like, do you not see me? I've got my Bible open trying to have a quiet time. Leave me alone, you know? <laughs> so it doesn't stop. It's not just the kids. No, it's not. It's not. It's really not. Like I know, you know, as my kids have gotten older, um, they, the time, and, and this is something that I, I read about from Hal and Melanie uh, Young years ago. They would say, when your kids are older, they're going to want to talk to you at the most inopportune times, but you got, you have to do it. You have to allow yourself to be inconvenienced and do it on their schedule. Like if your kids want to talk to you, talk to them, do what you're, you know, and I have found as my kids get older, the times they want to talk to me are the times that I really would like to have my eyes shut on the pillow. (laughs) And so while I was not getting a huge amount of sleep when they were little because I was up with them or, you know, they weren't sleeping through the night or whatever. I still, even though they're 14 and 12 and they sleep through the night with no, no issue whatsoever, I'm still tired the next day because they want to talk to me late at night. And that's when they'll open up their hearts to me a lot of times. So there really isn't, you know, I think if we look at the season that we're in right now and we say to ourselves, well, I'll be better about that in this next season when things are a little bit, but that next season doesn't come. It just doesn't there, or at least the, the, the lack of stress that we're hoping will make it easier. It doesn't come because each yeah. season brings its own stress. So if we don't prioritize it in the midst of the chaos now, we probably will never prioritize it at all. Yeah. I think that's very, that's true. very, very true. Yeah. So Katie, was there a time in your life when you didn't do this? Like you did not prioritize spending time with God because it would be really powerful to know a clear before and after picture of what it can do to a woman's life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was giving into the paralysis of perfectionism completely. And especially when I, when I, I had a, a couple years of singleness out of, out of college and it was just awesome. <laughs> you know, it was busy, but I, I, I could, I had a lot of, and just the way my job was too, I had a lot of control over my schedule. So I'd go spend hours in the Bible and I loved it. And then I had kids, I got married, even just getting married was just a, a change. And then definitely having kids and it wasn't even time, it was brain space, all that. And so I just lived in so much guilt that, man, I know how to have a quiet time and I'm not doing it. And it was, it was really hard. And then, you know, fast forward way before I was even walking with the Lord, I would sit down and open the Bible and have, I, I, I just, you know, do the dip and flip as people call it. I just open the Bible and read somewhere and I'd have no idea what I was reading and I felt like a failure. And so what really changed for me was getting some practical tools for what to do when, when you do, when you do open the Bible. 
And I, I've kind of come up with this, this thing called the Bible Study Boulevard. Because I think it's so important for us to understand that we are all on a journey. We are all on a journey. And way back when, when I first had that, had that desire to open the Bible for myself, the last thing I needed to do was read through the Bible in a year. Really. Right. It was the last thing I needed to do. That was way too big of a goal for me. And so I failed. Uh, the last thing I needed to do was open right into the middle of a book that had nothing, I didn't know anything about. I didn't understand what was going, who wrote it, why the, did they write it. I didn't understand what was going before. It was like trying to watch a show, a Netflix show on season two, episode 10. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know that. And so I think it's so important that we, we, we find ourselves on the Bible study boulevard. And the first step there is just really praying for the desire to open the word. Yes, we have to be obedient. Yes, we're not going to be driven by our emotions, but it is God's word for us to be in the Bible. And 1 John 5 tells us that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us and he answers that prayer. That's the Katie or paraphrase. Okay. <laughs> so is it God's will for us to be in the Bible? Yes. Is it God's word for, for us to delight in it and to love it and enjoy it? Absolutely. So start with, I think that's the biggest practical thing we can do is pray for a greater desire mm -hmm. to be in the Bible. Yeah. Then we walk forward. That's the faith. We walk forward. Even if we don't feel it, we're, we're going to say, okay, God's going to change my heart. And I know deep down, deep down in there, I really do want this. So I'm going to open my Bible. The next step we need to do is build the habit. And so I, I mean, I am a huge proponent of like five day reading plans, <laughs> you know, like find There's so many apps that we have. So just find Something that you can get the quick win. Enjoy that little bitty Butterfinger. You know, whatever it is, that five-day reading plan, read the Bible for five minutes over the next five days and quit saying this isn't good enough. Because even if you only did three of those five days, is that not more than none? Always. It's always better than none. So build the habit and do another, when you get five days down, then find like a 10-day plan and then find a one-month plan. And then when you are in the habit of, I mean, this is true of anything in our lives. We can't just dive head first. We have to go, we have to take baby steps. And so build the habit. And then once you build the habit, then you can start looking at some Bible study tools, some gaining understanding. And I have an entire e-course basically on all of this. And I can send, I'll, I'll give you guys a coupon so you can get it for free. And it'll really walk you through the Bible study boulevard, figure out where am I so that I can decide what is my next step and what are going to be the best resources for this step. So again, if you're just getting into the, into the Bible, or maybe you've been in the Bible, but you're out of the habit, the, probably the last thing you need to do is go get a workbook study that's going to take you 45 minutes and it's super deep. It's amazing, I'm sure, but maybe not for this step for you right now. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's really important. I was going to say in sharing your story, like you're, you had the experience of having really good quiet time regularly and then missing it. For me, it was the getting started thing. And I, the biggest difference I could tell, and I, I was exactly like you, I know I need to do this now. I'm going to jump in and do something huge and then fail miserably at it and because I wasn't recognizing where I was. But for me, the big difference was internal completely. Um, I, if I am not in God's word, I am extremely anxious mm -hmm. and trying to do like control things on my own and, and 
figure out the outcomes of this and that and like gripping everything very, very tightly. And, um, I don't have time to live like that. Right. I mean, we don't have time to live in that stress and that. And so to me, the time I spend with the Lord, whether it's bite size or king size is me releasing that and freeing up that happy soul inside so that I can handle all those other things better, but with open hands to the Lord. And Mm -hmm. for me, it was just like, it was not good for my health to not be in, in communion and with the Lord on a daily basis. And even now, like I would go, I would fail miserably at something and go a week, a month, whatever, without doing anything because I hadn't done it perfectly and I can't achieve this. Now, it just takes me a day of not mm-hmm. doing it to realize my soul is not in the, is not connected to him and not in that right spot. And then I'm right back into it because I mean, that's how much of a difference it makes in my life. I am, I, my stomach will hurt. I have headaches. I will be worried about everything if I am not oriented to the truth and to his word and to the fact that I'm not in control. I yeah, love that so much, Erin, because I love the first thing you said, which I just want to highlight. You said, this is how I feel when I'm not in the word of God and I don't have time for that. <laughs> I love that. That's Nobody's so, got time for that. Nobody's right? got time for it. Yeah, exactly. That's a meme, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's true. It's true. Like we, we give ourselves and I'm guilty. We, we make excuses and say, I don't have time to be in God's word today when the reality is that we don't have time not to be in God's word today. Yeah. That's the truth. That's what, that's the tether to the, to the truth. Mm-hmm. Our emotions would make us say we don't have time for that today. But the truth is we do have time for a bite-sized snicker, you know, or something, yeah. something that will get us through the day. So I love that. That was, that was just a perfect illustration I- of it. I always have time for a bite-sized Snickers. Oh, yeah, yeah. me too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's helpful for us when we think about motivation and all that, because sometimes it just feels like, oh, it's so hard to do this, and it is. But when we shift our focus, or not focus, but our understanding of what the Bible is, that the Bible is not, and I've heard this a million times, and I know that it's well-meaning, but the Bible is not a handbook for life. It is not a list of here's how to be a good Christian. The Bible is God's word to us. Mm-hmm. The Bible is God's specific revelation of this is who I am. And this is the good, happy plan that I have for your life. And when we shift that perspective from, I need to read the Bible because I'm supposed to, I need to read the Bible because then my life will get better. And it, it I mean, it, it does, there are benefits to being in the word, but the benefits come because we're going, and I'm not saying that that's what you were saying, Aaron, at all. I know, I know we're in the same place, but um, just to be clear, but when we see the Bible as this is the primary way that I get to know God. And as a child of God, this is oxygen to my spiritual soul. It's not about rules. It's not about how to's. It's not about this is what I need to do to be better Christian. The Bible is oxygen for our spiritual lives. And if we do not have oxygen in our spiritual lives, that's why we feel like I can't do the right things because we're trying to do it laid up in a bed on a respiratory machine, you know, because there's nothing, we have nothing to give. Mm-hmm. But when we have that, the word of God filling our lives, through having a quiet time, through listening to it on the radio or, or listening to a sermon as we do dishes or whatever, you know, as it becomes just 
part of our life. It is the air that we breathe and we live on spiritually. Amen. And I know I hear a lot of women say, um, I've had people ask me, how do you hear from the Lord? What do you mean God is speaking to you? How, what does that even look like? And I, I think to myself that, you know, the word, the Bible tells us that the main way that God speaks to us in these times is through his son mm -hmm. and his son is revealed in the word mm -hmm. and is the word. And so if like, that's how, I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not that I have, or, or any of us here today have this special, you know, hotline straight to God or any kind of special relationship with him. We have the kind of relationship with him that any woman of God can have. Yeah. Um, anybody can have this. If you want to know how God speaks to you, or if you want to begin to recognize his voice in your life, you first have to listen to his voice and listen to his word because that is how he speaks to us. So like that, you just can't get it without that. There's no, there's no fast forward button, no easy button that we can push. You know, like I just don't really know anyone who has ever said, I have heard the audible voice of God. I'm not saying God is not big enough that he can't do that, but I just don't know anybody that that's ever happened to before. I don't know anybody in modern times mm -hmm. that God has actually written a message on the wall to them. I don't, that's just not, that's not what we see. You know, what we yeah. see is that God speaks to us through his word. And as we, as we internalize and do what you've just been saying, as we internalize it and make it our life and our breath and our being, then we become more sensitive to the working of the Holy Spirit. And we begin to know that still small voice, that, that voice of the shepherd and recognize that voice of the shepherd and be able to say, this is my shepherd. This is not my shepherd. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, there isn't an easy button. It's just the way we have to do it. So I love this conversation. Like I've got goosebumps because I know all of us are so passionate about this and, and Katie, you, you get me all excited about it too. So I love that. Um, Let's talk for a little bit about your book, Secrets of a Happy Soul. What can our listeners expect to find inside of that book? Well, there's two parts. The first part is a lot of things we've been talking about right now. Not everything, of course, but you know, just this defining happiness and is it biblical? And if it is biblical, what does that look like? But really this idea that it is a foundational truth of who we are and we have the rest of our lives to work it out within us. And then the second part really walks through Psalm 1 and 2, which is the introduction for the all of Psalms. And I was in Old Test took an Old Testament class uh, in seminary last semester. And uh, as I was reading and studying something on Psalms, I read this commentary that said, again, Katie's paraphrase. <laughs> Basically, there's no new truths. There's no new theology that Psalms that the Psalms give us that can't be found outside of the Psalms. But what the Psalms gives us is the the relationship and the emotions. It's all about emotions. So we're not saying here, hey, your emotions aren't important. God gave us those emotions. Mm -hmm. But it's this: how do we reconcile our circumstances, our emotions, our re, our our physical reality? with the spiritual reality of who God is and what he's promised us. And so the Psalms, and that's why we are drawn to the Psalms, I think, mm -hmm. because we can see ourselves in it. The very first time that I heard God speak to me, like you're talking about in that, that just being in the word and him just saying, boom, there you go. <laughs> it wasn't audible, but it, the very first time that I read the Bible 
And it was like, that was written for me. It was in the Psalms. And I was going through a hard time and it was saying, put your hope in God. You know, it was telling me, the psalmist was telling me forever ago to put your hope in God. And I saw my own emotions that I thought were so wrong and dirty and whatever. It was right there on the page. So how do, how do, we, how do we reconcile those things? And so the, 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 the bulk of the book is looking through the characteristics that we see of the happy soul here in Psalm 1 and 2, and therefore throughout all of the Psalms, what does that look like? That they are, his delight is in the Lord's instructions. He meditates on, on God's word day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams, bears its fruit in his seasons, whose leaves does not wither, on and on and on. I've kind of boiled it down to, to six secrets that this is, this is both our reality plus our action point. It, it's, and, and that's so much of what faith is. Mm-hmm. We know the end of the story, right? We know what God has done for us and what he will do. But we walk in faith of what we already know to be true. Same here in our experience of what do we do with our emotions? How do we, how do we live this fulfilling, peace-filled, happy, satisfying Christian life? The abundant life that God promised and that Jesus himself promised. He said, this is why I have come. He said that in John. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, like this out of the ordinary life, every one of us can experience that. We have it as a truth of who we are. Now we get to work out our salvation. We get to work out what God has already given us. And so the, the rest of that, it, there's those six sections, so the six secrets, and there's a section that's like one chapter that's teaching, and then the next chapter is practicalities. Mm-hmm. I talk about the Bible Study Boulevard. You know, we really look at the, okay, now what, how do, what does this look like practically in our day-to-day lives? So. Mm-hmm. It's very much, let's understand this piece because we don't understand it or we can't apply it. And then now how do we, how do we live this out in our daily lives? Well, you know, we love practical around here. So that sounds like an awesome resource. And I know people will be excited to get it in their hands. So Katie, as you know, our mission here at Million Praying Moms is to help parents make prayer their first and best response to parenting. Mm -hmm. So if our listeners are struggling with choosing to prioritize time spent with God, what do they need to be praying? Well, it goes back to the beginning of that Bible study Boulevard, you know, pray that these things would be true in our lives and pray that we would not listen to the lies of the evil one that says, I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not disciplined enough. I don't have enough schooling. I'm not smart enough. I mean, I hear these from women again and again and again and again, and I have said them too. And I still give into them. So I think we need to be praying that our, our thought life would be guarded, uh, that we would recognize the lies of the evil one, and that God would give us a desire for his word. And, you know, another piece of this too, which is why with each secret, and this is true of just about everything I do, I, it all starts with truth. Because I think more than we need to go out and try harder, we need to believe better. And when our beliefs line up with specifically with our view of God, because when I mess up and I want to run away from God, or I feel like I got to fix myself before I can come to God in prayer, that is not true of the biblical picture of who God is and the biblical picture of what we can do in confession and repentance. We can run to God in our mess, not run away from God. And so that's a practicality. But until I get my beliefs straight, until I believe better, truer, righter things about God, 
my actions are just going to be an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. When I see God for who he really is, and I really truly get the gospel, that this gift that I didn't earn, and he's given all of this. I mean, it's just amazing. The natural step for a happy soul is to say, praise God. And mm-hmm. I want to change. Mm-hmm. It's just the natural result of every one of us. Mm-hmm. Not every time, mm-hmm. you know, we're just so messed up. We, we really are. We're just so messed up. So for someone out there who feels so messed up, welcome to the club, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like we said, there's nothing all that special about any of us here that we don't make mistakes or we don't have moments like that, you know, and as you were sharing a minute ago about where you felt like God spoke to you the first time in, in the book of Psalms, it's, it's interesting. Um, we've spent the summer here at Million Praying Moms um, inside of the Psalms. We've been praying through the book of Psalms and studying through it. And over the summer, um, we, my family had a, a tragic loss. We lost our nephew, my nephew and my brother's oldest son. And I went through this period of like heaviness, just to, just to show you how the Lord works, even in our heaviest, darkest times. I went through this season of like, I, I could almost, I'm not kidding guys, like I could just feel the heaviness, like I was wearing it. It was affecting me, like my posture and my breathing. And I almost just could feel it just coming after me. And I sat down at our kitchen table one morning and I... I just confessed that to the Lord. And I think when you lose someone, you know, I'm not saying I was experiencing anything that wasn't normal in a period of, of loss like that, but I knew that I couldn't stay there. Like I cannot stay here. And so I sat down at the table and I opened it up to, I believe it was Psalm 40 and it says, wait patiently for the Lord. And I knew in intuitively because of, well, maybe not intuitively, but from years of studying God's word that the answer to my heaviness was on the table in front of me in the form of God's word. But I didn't, I I almost felt like I don't even, didn't even know if I had the strength to go there at the time. And so I opened up the word of God and those were the first words I saw, wait patiently for the Lord. And so I took it just like you said, Katie, and I thought this is for me. It was as if the Lord was saying, Brooke, sit here for a minute and wait for me to come because I'm going to come. And so I did, I just sat there kind of in a a state of, you know, prayer and I just held my hands open and I waited for the Lord to come and he came and and that's what he does. And, And I think we forget that we have that power because God gave it to us. We have that right as his children to just sit there and wait until he comes. So if you're listening right now and your life is messed up or you're feeling that heaviness like I was, or, or you just don't even know where to start, maybe the answer is just to wait patiently for the Lord. Just sit there until he comes because he will come. He will come. His word says he will come. So I'm encouraged by that and, and everything that you've shared today, Katie. We always really like to wrap up our shows by asking our guests to share one verse or passage that they are currently praying for their children. So Katie, what is currently on your prayer list for your family? Well, I certainly have the laundry list of (laughs) of specific things, but I think overarching is always for my kids to really see God for who he is. It's, It's what we've been talking about, that they would really see him personally, not my God, even though it is the same God, not through the eyes of their dad, not through... Yeah, just that they would really, truly 
see God for who he really is and fall in love with him. Um, because yeah, I'm praying things like, man, I, 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 I hope they make good choices and I want their, their emotional well being to be in a certain place and you know, all those specific things. Uh, but, and I want them to have a love for the word. I mean, that's always on there too. You know, I don't want to throw, push it down their throats. It's always this kind of, do we make it part of our rhythm and do I make them do it? Or do I just kind of wait till I, I haven't, I haven't figured that out, but yeah, I want them to have a love for the word, but it all stems with them really seeing their savior for who he is and that they would just be the, overcome with gratitude. And I think all those things over time will, will come to pass. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and follow along with all that you're doing. Yeah, well, you can just head to katieor.me, K-A-T-I-E-O-R-R.me, M-E. And um, I'm on all the Instagram, et cetera, at the Katie Orr. All right. Awesome. And that's it for today, friends. As always, you can find any specifics from our show in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com, including a link to pre-order Katie's new book, which you will definitely want to do right now. So tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I'm a caring father mentor, and friend in my new podcast, Billy and the Goat. I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.